Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Okay, good morning, uh, Dr. Bjorn Eckerberg. Hopefully I got that uh, last name correct. Uh, or good evening for you, uh, coming live from Norway. Thank you so much for, for being on the show with us today. Thanks for having me on, Matt. So, um, Bjorn, you are a polymath. Um, you are a doctorate in the philosophy of science and author. I think I even saw some documentaries and maybe some, uh, some more creative um, uh, fiction work as well. You're the founder of a really cool um, device company, which happened to be, I, I, I think your, your company may have even gotten some play at the Roland Garros finals last night because you have Casper Rude, who is just uh, unfortunately the runner up at the French Open final yesterday. But um, I only heard out of the corner of my eye and I know one of the players was wearing something on their chest that was like a biofeedback thing. And I actually thought they were referring to Djokovic, but then I saw Casper's all over your website. So there's lots of really cool stuff, but we're gonna just talk about light and frequencies and maybe even get into vibrations. And if we go down a, a path of whether or not we're we're living in a simulation, um, I won't you know, mind having an opinion like yours. So anyway, I'm really excited to dig in. Um, let me first ask you, since there's so much there, how do you um, maybe introduce yourself to our audience and, and what, what was that journey? Where did you start? At what point did you decide you want to go into areas of science that are so underexplored? What, take us back to the beginning, whatever the beginning might be for you. And if you that's a big bang joke, you can take it there as well. Yeah, it was what is the beginning, right? Uh, exactly. And not to make this terribly long-winded, but uh, I've had the privilege of uh, wearing several hats on my head, pursuing several different overlapping interests uh, with no clear intention for a straightforward path. But somehow life has this ability to make sense of things as you go. So even though I didn't set out to do what I'm currently doing as um, a CEO of Recharge Health, this device company uh, that has a new, you know, infrared light solution that we'll talk a bit more about. Uh, but I didn't set out to do that, but somehow made several turns uh, where everything started clicking in and making sense. So I had a long academic uh, path. I could have become a professor and speaking to you from a university, and I would probably look a bit uh, and sound a little bit dustier than I am. Right now, that was one career path that educated me for like history and philosophy of science, history of thought. And I wrote a book on the foundations of uh, current physics and the theories of the universe. And because the academic publishing mill is uh, extremely uh, slow, uh, the book only appeared three, four years ago. Um, and I got a lot of enthusiastic sort of feedback and interest and wrote more on the topic in Scientific American I've been invited to, I was at a couple of philosophy festivals in the UK very recently to debate this question of cosmology, the Big Bang, the basis of physics, metaphysics, that kind of stuff. So I had this hat on my head and it's sort of been on, on the sidelines, but I always wanted to create something. And so I had a, a career after my academic stint doing creative production film and TV and creative TV series and stuff like this. 
and two uh, old friends of mine that I've known for a while doing business in Asia and being involved with hardware electronics production. They came to me one day and said they discovered something. Uh, they had stumbled on research uh, and into a kind of technology that none of us had really heard about, but which seemed to suggest that light at certain wavelengths, specifically near infrared light, had this incredible potential to stimulate the body in ways that we never heard of. And they had the expertise to actually make something from scratch and not to go to a factory. They could design it themselves. And they kind of wanted me to help on the storytelling, filmmaking, do something on the marketing side. And uh, I met also with one of their co-founders, Dr. Zulia Frost, who is a remarkable doctor who has worked for decades with patients on these different kinds of modalities. And uh, after interviewing a few people, that was my first task to make a little film and interviewing a few people who had tried the prototype I realized I had something bigger on my hands that was a bit more purpose-driven than writing entertainment for people in the streaming era. Uh, as much fun as that is, uh, I realized that this is something that's very, very powerful. Uh, it is something that most people have not heard about yet, and that it is likely something we will all hear about uh, if it's done right. And mm -hmm. the reason we figured people haven't heard about this and why I hadn't heard about it when I first came about it is because nobody has really made a device or this technology accessible and easy to use and been able to kind of tell the story around it. That yeah. makes sense. So it hasn't really been available. It's very much of a, a margin, uh, margin business, so to speak. So that uh, for all these different reasons, it kind of clicked into place that my interest and understanding in physics and biophysics, which touches on the question of light to begin with, would somehow find its expression uh, in a job that's literally like taking light to the market. And, you know, I know that's a strange sort of uh, almost church-like metaphor, but to spreading the light, that's also <laughs> what we're at now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fascinating. And, and what an amazing journey. Like you said, the, the universe has a way of sort of bringing it all together and it's so fascinating that you've you've focused on the science of light at this you know broader sort of the the, the history and the understanding of what is science and the big bang and everything else i, I want to and now you know making it more of a, an application that we can all use for recovery and optimization which i'm i'm very interested to learn more about but just to get to know you a little bit better i know you um uh, wrote a book recently. I think it's uh, Experiments in, in Metaphysics. I don't have my notes up in front of me. Um, correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, but tell me, because um, I think you have a, an interesting meta metaphysical experiment, um, excuse me, uh, Physics and the Invention of the Universe. I'm, I'm curious because I don't imagine that you can sum up um, an entire book in a couple sentences, but just again, to get to know you, um, what, what's What's your take on the invention of the universe? Do you have a controversial understanding of the Big Bang or something we can learn from you today? Well, I mean, some people would call it controversial, perhaps, is that I have, from my relatively limited uh, point of view, because I've been studying, you know, the historical and logical foundations. I'm not trained as a physicist. I have a huge interest in physics and in science, but I've come from sort of the other side of the divide, just looking at, you know, what are the foundations? Like, how did we 
what kind of assumptions went into making a certain framework that we use today? What are the principles? What is it based on? And how well do we really know that? So I started digging into uh, sort of this very complicated model of the universe, into the history of it and into the actual application of it today. And so that led me to ask some critical or skeptical questions. I ask really from an agnostic point of view. I'm not touting my own theory about the universe. And um, I can tell you there's there's hundreds of people contacting me with their own pet theories of what the universe is really like and so how it all started and not. That is not really my position, but uh, I have argued um, several times based on all the research that I've been doing that it isn't founded nearly on a strong and overwhelming evidence as many other scientific theories, but it's often treated as though it's on a par with almost any earthly science. Cosmology is really not uh, when you start looking at it in the bigger picture. And I guess the thesis of my book, if you had to put it in 10 words or less, is that at the limits of knowledge, which is where cosmology is based, uh, science is ultimately indistinguishable from faith. Hmm. Now, that is controversial to some. I just consider it rather how it is, as with all things. I think that there is a limit to science. I am very much a fan of science, uh, and that's why I'm very curious about where the limitations lie and where it crosses over into other things. It's interesting because science and faith has had have had a intertwined relationship since the beginning of both science and faith, right? And uh, um, I mean, just looking back at like the Enlightenment and and scientific paradigms, you know, the the cross sections, and it's almost as if we're we're arriving back at a place where there's um, much more belief in faith than science, right? Because if you look at, or rather. Uh, I want to pick my words carefully, given my audience. Um, but uh, you know, when you look at nutrition, for instance, you know, where obviously we spend quite a bit of time, um, it, it's curious to me that so much of it is, you know, indistinguishable between faith, right? That you lean on these scientific sounding proclamations about what works and how your body works and how food is utilized and what have you. And, and actually so much of it is just, you know, again, it's, it's kind of like these, these gurus and these high priests of these nutrition tribes, right. That, that so much of it um, really starts to look a lot like organized religion. And then the conversations therefore don't happen in terms of the, you know the 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 dialectic that you're you want to create between these different camps and different understandings right but like it's just totally shut down because if someone is of a different faith right there's no there's no room for camaraderie for for discourse if you will so it's it's fascinating that yeah anyway sorry to go off on a a tangent. I'll, I'll give you a quick opportunity to respond, then we can we can move to more practical, um, <laughs> more practical topics. No, there's certainly a lot of believing in science, right? But at the same time, it's very important to make the distinction that not like because there is faith or belief at the core of science doesn't mean that all science is just faith or it's all the same or any such thing. Uh, I think it's very important to uh, eke out a sort of a properly scientific position, which is to be, you know, critical and skeptical of the evidence and assessing and trying to follow the scientific method. But there's always this catch with science, especially when it becomes organized and institutionalized and bureaucratized. 
is that it can lead to a cult of faith, like if you, uh, if it's properly developed. Now, this is what interests me as a philosopher is precisely this sort of where such an almost infallible process like the scientific method when it's followed really properly can in fact kind of turn into a self-reinforcement of errors and mistaken beliefs. And I think this actually happens in all sciences. It's just I happen to pick the science where I think it's the most extreme, uh, and that is cosmology. Uh, and so I could see how the same thing, some of the same mechanisms would apply to a field like nutrition. At the same time, to be very careful, there is a lot of science there, right? So it's not like everybody's yeah. just believing, believing stuff. But there is always this tendency to want to beat each other over the head with competing studies. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, it's really based lot... on faith or emotion rather than actual facts, even though everybody says they're talking about facts, but it's really like you already made up your mind, so you're just going to bombard me with you know your facts. Right. We see this all over the place, but it's still possible to do good science. That's what I would like to underline here that is possible. Yeah. It's just more treacherous, and you have to navigate it very carefully. Uh, and you have to be able to convince other people of your evidence and not just stick to your one version of the, of the truth. Yeah. No. Truth is, is a, is a difficult word in this conversation, but it like is. you said, there's yeah. so much science, right? And so, you know, I think, I think becoming scientifically literate is one of the most important things that we can do as, as, you know, self-governing people, right? And and not just self-governing in terms of, you know, making sure that we are we are looking at and understanding, you know, different opportunities in the right way, but also like just as you decide how to feed your family, you know, being able to assess different studies and understand the scientific methods behind them, right? And and even even the the study design, right? Because to your point, you know, you said there's a lot of science and nutrition, like there's almost too much science and nutrition because you can cherry pick any facts you, you want, right? Because there's always some study out there that says something, right? And so much of it is industry funded. So it's a whole nother, I, I thankfully, I, I don't know that cosmology probably suffers from the same um, corporate uh, influences that we deal with and, you know, and looking at, you know, the latest study that has, shows that grapes, you know, are, are so great for you, right? And it's like, well, it's also funded by such and such grape lobby of Florida, you know, it's like, so let's talk about a little bit of practical things. Thank you. It's it's fun to, to get to know you. And, and it's such an interesting area of, of um, research that you've pursued in, in your career. Um, but now you've turned to the application of that science and looking at how to help people recover and optimize using light. That mm -hmm. is probably not something, um, you know, well, I should say, most people have probably now heard of infrared saunas, right? And I actually had one in, in my last house. And, uh, but, but I think a lot of those um, uh, popular understandings uh, continue to, to look at sort of heat shock therapies and sort of the benefits of, of sauna in a traditional sense, talking to a Norwegian, most of the science comes out of, you know, the, the, those uh, Nordic and Scandinavian countries, right? Um, sauna is such a critical part of, of the culture, but, but I have a feeling that light in, in this way is a totally new concept. So maybe you can just back up 
to once again the beginning and just educate us at the highest level of what is what is light? Why what what is happening to our bodies when we're exposed to light? Yeah, certainly from a philosophy of science perspective, if I can bridge from here into the more practical applications, there there is a link and part of what interested me in the beginning when I learned about this technology uh, is that it also potentially constitutes something of a paradigm shift in how we think about our health. So all of this that we discovered that this near-infrared light can do was mind-boggling in part because of how we have been educated about our health is according to a certain way of thinking, a certain model of the human body. Right. So we have uh, in the last century, the dominant medical model has been the biochemical one in which we look at molecular uh, interactions inside the body and how we might uh, be able to influence them with pharmaceuticals being the most dominant form. Right. And our whole medical system has been established on this basis. Uh, there is an entirely different approach that doesn't negate anything in the biochemical paradigm or negate pharmaceuticals, but that was actually kind of the dominant way to heal up until the 1920s or so when something shifted, was if you had a health issue or challenge of some kind, what would the doctor do? Uh, he would send you to something called a sanatorium. Like he would send you to a place in which you could get lots of sunshine, you could bathe in salt water, uh, you would have access basically to light, uh, and this would this was known to trigger a certain kind of healing. It was not just about being restful; it's about being exposed to the whole spectrum of light in in certain dosage, right? So it's been known for a very long time that uh, the full spectrum of light, and there's parts of that spectrum that have a very healing property. Nowadays, we tend to think of the sun as more like something to watch out for. It's only it's linked to vitamin D, uh, which only tells a fraction of the story of what the sun is about. So if you, like me, like to take a cosmic perspective on this, the sun is the source of all energy that we know anywhere like we are actually living inside of this sheltered little bubble that has created this atmosphere and all of these ways of filtering out this incredible amount of energy we can't even conceive of it how energetic space is you know how we often get this have this idea of space is empty it's anything but if you look at it it's like fierce uh, explosive electromagnetic radiation at all frequencies somehow what filters down to us is perfectly attuned for our bodies to adapt to and respond to. And we have our circadian rhythm as a consequence of being like having rest for 12 hours from the sun and then getting back up with the sun. We are always exposed to this energy. And somehow uh, we know this very intuitively, but we don't think about it in this way that energy from the sun can have healing properties. Now it turns out that there's thousands of studies showing very clearly that light has certain effects on the body this is called photobiomodulation in the academic discourse and it's an umbrella term for how light literally influences your physical being in some way and various parts of like various kinds of light or different wavelengths of light have different effects on us uh, the most probably the most interesting or the most uh, powerful one when it comes to health healing and recovery is in the near infrared range now, you mentioned before infrared saunas, 
They are on the far infrared spectrum. So this would be uh, more than a thousand nanometers uh, on, on the wavelength spectrum. Near infrared is around 800 to 850. Uh, and visible light starts at around 650 or so and below. Right, so we are talking about light here that is not visible; it's just off the visible spectrum. That's why infrared is uh, something you can see when the sun is up, and especially when it's sunrise or sunset, when it's more red than usual. That means it's there's more of the energy in that red and infrared range of the spectrum. You can't see the infrared, but you can feel it. So the heat you can feel from the sun when it's like, uh, you know, you're watching a nice glowing sunset and somehow it's not just that the color is pretty, it has a warming effect on your skin. That warming effect comes from infrared. That's infrared mm -hmm. energy. And more than 50% of the energy we get from the sun is in the infrared range. It is actually a huge part of the spectrum and it's very, very powerful. But again, we don't really see it. It gets reflected. It is invisible. Uh, you can do infrared camera readings on like anywhere you live. Uh, like you could take an IR camera and you can look around, see uh, green leaves like plants and trees will reflect it. Water will reflect it. So if you're in uh, nature, to put it simply, you are actually surrounded by a lot of infrared energy. If you live deep inside of a concrete jungle, you will get almost nothing because it doesn't mm. reflect. So where we live and how our light environment is, is a crucial component for healing, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we took this one step further with this particular technology. We can talk about the concrete application, but that is the, um, uh, that is the greater context for how it is possible for energy uh, that is the same as the one mimicking basically what is in the sun already can have a, a very strong influence on our bodies. Yeah, it's, it's, thank you for, for the context. And it's fascinating to think about the broader um, moment we find ourselves in relative to the scientific understandings of lifestyle medicine and just how far wrong we've gone over the past, uh, call it century, to your point, you know, um, there's some improvements, right? We're not using leeches anymore. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, we're learning, like, actually, these things that, you know, like jumping in a cold river, right? And like, um, to your point, sunshine and fresh air, right? These, these going back to the basics is is so important. And there's so many, you know, kind of the, the power of nature and the healing properties that that can be found these really really basic behaviors is is you know I think part of that whole uh, process so or, or new understanding I should say so just to clarify though if you go into an infrared sauna you you are not uh, impacting your cells in the same way as the near infrared devices like what Recharge Health is is bringing to our community. Um, and maybe you can just, as you confirm that understanding, talk a little about what's actually happening. Like at a cellular level, you know, why, why is the, one of the top tennis players in the world, uh, who I know is working with you guys a lot, uh, why, why does he care to put this around his wrist, put this around his knees? You know, what, what's happening there? 
Yeah, so it uh, follows from this property of infrared that you can't quite see it, but that it's there and you can you can feel it, this kind of heat, is that because it has very long wavelengths, this is the part of the spectrum that the wavelengths are very, very, very long um, compared to the colors we normally see. It can also penetrate the body. So it can go deeper in uh, than like any color light or other variation will just bounce at the skin level and not go beneath it. So a far infrared sauna has particularly long wavelengths and what it will do is it will induce sweat. Like it will go so deep that it will basically induce a sweat response in the body that's even more powerful than heat. This is, I think, why it's become very popular because you sweat more and more quickly without necessarily having to expose yourself to the same amount of heat. Now, near infrared is somewhat shorter than far infrared, uh, but it has a cellular response. It's a response at a cellular level that happens. So what it uh, stimulates is the what's called the mitochondria, which are the energy generators in your cells. So they, are, they respond to near-infrared light by basically boosting their ability to create energy at the cellular level. Uh, so, I mean, we started talking about this in terms of a battery metaphor for the body, right? That it's about charging, this is what we call the company Recharge Health. Uh, that your health is determined by your capacity to receive and maintain a charge that our cells are literally like they're charged, right? And you can you can charge them more, uh, like in better ways to uh, for your body to overcome various uh, obstacles or challenges it has. It wasn't long since we started using this and I thought of it initially as, oh, that's a nice metaphor. and realized that it's not actually a metaphor. It is really your body is literally a battery. And I can show you all kinds of science that will show you exactly that this is the case with how water works in your body and like the actual uh, mechanics at the cellular level. We are walking batteries like solar cells, solar panels or what have you. Uh, and this is the main mechanism through which near-infrared light works. It works at the cellular level to give you more charge. So basically, I mean, very briefly summarized, you get more energy where your body needs it to heal or to do whatever it needs to do. And I think this is the paradigm shift in terms of our health and why it's challenging for us to take in this notion or to think that, oh, maybe this sounds like snake oil or woo or something because you haven't heard about it before, is because we tend to think of our body in this very mechanistic way and that if you have a problem somewhere, you need a pill here to fix it or you need something to counteract it or so on. Uh, in fact, it's your body is the healer. Like you have an amazing capacity to heal yourself like we all do. Uh, but sometimes we need a little bit of help. And sometimes that process can be triggered. So when you expose yourself to near infrared light, where you are hurt or injured, or you just want to give it a little bit more love, you are uh, literally stimulating your body to heal. So it's you're empowering your own body to heal itself. It's not that this device will like magically fix something from one from one place to another. It's that it will make your own process stronger. So in the end, the energy goes where you need it. And again, when we talk about energy and you talk in these terms, that easily sounds like woo and off, off the chart. But yeah. we can show you at power levels how this actually works and how it is absorbed and how it generates these kinds of systemic effects in the body, even if they're invisible. Um, I like woo-woo, so I'm, I'm good with it. You know, I think, okay, uh, cool. I, think I think I think the world needs more, more woo-woo. Um, like you say, we've... 
we've been in this uh, biochemical sort of reductionistic paradigm for for so long, and you know, um, but I think it's interesting, and and I, I want to go back to the practical, but as you can tell, like I I uh, I spend a lot of time in the impractical, so I might as well ask, um, do you have a a viewpoint as to what happened or why is it um, that taking a pill, right? Because like if, if you look at some of the also, you know, some would call it woo-woo, like the, the placebo effect, right? Like we know the placebo effect is real. Like we've proven that placebos can be as effective even when the person receiving the placebo knows that they're receiving a placebo, mm -hmm. they can still like use their mind to make a change. Um, and it's like that physical like um, consumption of something that is, you know, it's like you go to the hospital and you're given this pill and like, so you're, you're changing your mind. It, it, I think because of that sort of paradigm we've all existed in, like that makes sense. But as soon as you start to offer somebody like, Hey, you know, here's this device, you can't see it working. You can't see near infrared, but put it on here and it'll work. Like, I'm just curious. Have you have you guys thought at all about like the the placebo effect and like how to overcome that? Because adoption of any new technology is really tough, right? And adoption of a technology that um, is literally invisible to the human eye, right? Like holds its own set of challenges. So I'm just I'm just curious if you guys have thought at all about how you present this and kind of what what's happening there and how you help people see and feel those changes. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly it's a, it's been a major discussion point for us as we uh, try to understand how users get their benefits from it. And uh, I would suggest though, that if you take a pill for something that is also invisible to you, whether it works or not. Right, exactly. Part of, part of why it works for you is that you do believe in the science behind it, right? right. Uh, I think, and this is purely from a philosophical point of view, is that this has something to do with intention and consciousness is what is involved in the placebo effect. So if you put your attention to something or intention to something, it is already going to have a positive effect on what you're doing. So obviously, if you believe in the treatment you're given, you are likely to have better results. Now, right. how to believe in a treatment well, it really helps if the treatment really works, right? So there's this kind of a circularity there. Like when you know that it really works, and this is usually how it is for um, for our users, right? Uh, we have a device, uh, it's called the FlexBeam, and it's like, you know, gives you a 10-minute kind of a light session. It is somewhat invisible. You see the lights and you can feel that it's working, but the link to how it actually impacts your, let's say your digestive is issue, something is not necessarily immediate because the effects will sometimes you have to like, it's later on in the day or you have to sleep and you feel better. Sometimes it's, it's not instant, instant. So how to get around this, what we call the benefit gap um, is that you don't necessarily use it as like, a, you know, a massage gun will immediately give you a pulsating feeling into your, uh, into your muscles. A flex beam will give you, you know, a nice relaxing feeling, but it's the next day that you feel stronger and that you feel better. Mm -hmm. uh, and so this benefit gap, we can only really get around and help to explain in users by being very rigorous and a documentary about the science and the case studies and how it works. 
literally is like you you have to understand how it works on a certain level and and take it with you when you use it you're also going to have better results yeah i think that's... But at the same time if you use it and you don't believe in it you're still going to get results the same as for a pill right and this is what distinguishes it from uh some forms of uh healing that are let's say further on the spectrum where you really do need a lot of intention and consciousness to see results yeah. a lot of goodwill uh yeah. and you know so that's why we are uh laser focused on data and science and and so on is to to back up these kinds of claims because they're often seen as almost too good to be true yeah i i think that's you answered it right it's about bringing a level of intentionality and understanding to the healing modality right like because i i know at least for myself like if i understand like you know you should stretch right? You should stretch before you work out. You should stretch after. You should just stretch all the time. Like, I didn't really appreciate that until I got a little older. And now that I'm quickly approaching 40 and my body's breaking down at a rapid pace, because um, I, you know, do long distance running and lifting and kids and everything else. And like, I had to learn the science of why do you stretch? Like, what are these lim- ligaments and fascia and this and that? And And all of a sudden it brings this intentionality that like, I think it really helps with that that feedback loop, right? Um, so anyway, let's go back to the battery analogy. I'm I, I want you to to help me understand that because it's a cool analogy, um, but it doesn't it is not immediately intuitive because batteries have to be plugged into an external source. And now maybe you're going to tell me that the sun is that source, or maybe you're going to tell me that water is that input, food, um, but, but, but just close that gap for me. Like how, how, how are we a battery? How are we recharging? Sleep has got to be a part of it, which again, light, darkness, circadian rhythm. So I feel like we're scratching at a, a unified theory of the body as a battery, but I, I hope you can help close that, that understanding. Yeah, that's great, Matt. I think you kind of answered the question in a way already. Uh, but uh, in terms of the, in terms of the energy loop, or the um, the cycle that you go through every day. So I mean, if you look at what happens to a physical body that's bereft of any, like, or is cut off from any kind of sunshine, like if we don't have natural light in the day, uh, it is definitely a limit to how long you will last that you will like run out of energy like even if you have food right you can't live without sunlight for more than you know stretches of time that are considered you know pretty extreme people who've been dug into caves for a long time and stuff on you go into a kind of survival mode but we do get an enormous amount of our energy from just being out or exposed to sun and of course all our food comes from like all the energy that we consume comes from being able to pick up sunlight so from plants in particular uh and then you know for those who eat animals they eat the plants and the plants are the best uh source of uh taking in sunshine and converting it into energy and we convert that plant back into energy that's how we keep our batteries going Mm -hmm. but if we didn't have that we would also be like left out of charge so we have a more sophisticated, complex kind of charging situation and loop around us uh, than a simple battery. But I would say it's exactly the same. And and let's talk about briefly um, the question of um, 
frequency. So you mentioned that, you know, these are literally like wavelength uh, 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 lengths, right? These are literally mm -hmm. the, the lengths. And, and so you can transit the, the frequency. I think a lot of people, you know, you hear about quantum physics, you hear about, um, you know, sort of uh, uh, this gets back into that woo-woo area, um, vibrations. Right and and you know um, and operating at a higher frequency and and uh, you know I think we all know those people in our lives that they walk into a room and and you can feel their energy right and they they give you energy it doesn't have to be you're not eating anything you're not drinking coffee right but like you just you're more energetic right and like I, I think there's there's something very interesting there and I'm I'm just curious um, because if if you were just a engineer with a uh, infrared device for recovery, I probably wouldn't ask you this question, but, but given the depths of um, scientific thinking they've gone on, I'm just, I'm, I'm just curious if you'd indulge me and have, have you thought at all about kind of frequency as, as both the literal and how you change frequency and, and are human bodies actually operating on these vibrations and can you alter that? I mean, if I, when I speak to the doctor we have on our co-founding team who's, uh, who studied a lot what's called frequency-based medicine, which is one approach to this, uh, it is really based on the insight that is all scientifically backed to some degree is that uh, the cells in our body operate on certain frequencies. So one way to look at disease is that it's something that happens when the frequencies of your cellular level are out of sync with your living environment, right? So this is a, a way of thinking about disease. I'm not saying this is necessarily the right one or the wrong one, but it is an approach to it that takes uh, takes as its premise that uh, your body is tuned to various kinds of frequencies. And what can happen with health or bad health is that they come, you know, out of out of joint uh, with the rest, and this device FlexBeam is one of you know several modalities you can use, but FlexBeam uh, works on certain frequencies and it then uh, tunes up the cells in that surrounding area to also uh, to also take in the energy at that same level. So arguably producing a sort of frequency resonance effect. Uh, we studied a lot pulsation and vibration as part of the device. We've actually built in a certain kind of pulsation into the light. So it's not simply just on and off. It pulsates according to certain frequencies that are known to be beneficial. Uh, but of course, this is also very, this is a very interesting field of study um, that there still needs to be more research at the mass scale level to demonstrate all of these effects. But it's very it's very interesting and it's promising and i'm sure some of your listeners will say this is just woo but uh i think there's something to it how far to dig into it uh i haven't seen enough data yet to put it that way but that there is something into what you are referring to with energy being more broad even than light and uh quantification into atp at the cellular level uh clearly how to talk about it is often often difficult though without <laughs> You know, if you want to be yeah. taken seriously in some context. Yeah, yeah, I can I can imagine that in this line of work, there's there's a lot of uh, 
skepticism, right? But yeah, such, and I think skepticism is uh, is healthy. There's uh, you know there's lots of people out there selling recovery technologies and healing things, and that's as old as uh, as medicine as well has been quacks and people who are and charlatans. Uh, so it's just important to have your like have your science as straight as possible and to show like you know show what it can do and convince people through usage this is what experiments and science were designed to do not to just point at a number on a board and say there's the truth but to actually convince people that hmm, this really does seem to happen when you do this yeah and in the same way we started encouraging users to try this in their daily health routine and uh, so far like we're approaching fifteen thousand users so far uh wow. who, you know come back and they give us rave reviews and they say this is really working uh and so this is what's propelling us to you know move forward we know this is something that is working it is somewhat variant exactly what it will work on and for what uh, but that it has an effect i think uh, like uh it's beyond uh it's beyond doubt but it's Maybe more a question of how you can adapt it to you and your lifestyle and what you could use it for. Yeah, awesome. Um, as we're we're running out of time, and and if folks want to look at some of the science that you've referenced or even check out the device, it's it's recharge.health, um, which is an awesome domain. So not .com, not not .org, um, .health. So just recharge.health, and we'll we'll include a link in the show notes. Um, but as you think about sort of, uh, I guess, two final questions. One is, um, if if folks uh, maybe don't have a, uh, a near infrared device on hand, um, what what can they do related to the sun or just looking at the the kind of um, healing modalities that, that you've seen in your research? Is there something else? Can we just go lay in the sun? Is that is that going to help? Shouldn't, shouldn't hurt. Yeah, right? it is going to help. It is definitely going to help. And uh, to be mindful about the sun cycle and to be exposed to some sunlight, uh, especially early in the day, later in the day, can help reset your or help adjust your circadian rhythm back into a healthy routine. Uh, I think that is definitely healthy. You don't want to overexpose yourself to sunshine if you're sensitive to light and if your skin cannot handle it at long amounts of time but that's not what we're talking about we're talking about literally setting the kind of setting your face out toward the sun's energy that will have a very positive uh, impact and it will also you know help healing overall but what we've done with uh, flexbeam is really to create a concentrated version of what's already in the sun's sphere and make it target targeted and wearable Right. So this gives you a like at the local area, if you use it on a shoulder, you are going to get a much higher concentration of that near infrared light at that targeted spot than you would from laying out outdoors for a long time, even though it's, that's beneficial, too. And so when you you asked uh, a bit earlier about our uh, tennis star, Casper Ruud, and why he's he's using it, and he's uh, yeah. now one of the top tennis players in the world, and he got to try one last year. And he invested in the company uh, and uh, has now become our first brand ambassador uh, of several athletes that we have that uh, love this kind of technology. And for him, he is really using it to repair his muscles after strain from serving and his forearm, uh, like his forehand is like his most impressive weapon on the on the court and from, you know, serving at 200 kilometers per hour. 
like over and over and over again for like you sure. know like in the grand slam final he played for three hours almost every match every two days it's like a three hour four hour battle uh he found this incredibly helpful to like kickstart his recovery process uh and this is of course applicable to anyone you don't have to be a top athlete to notice that improvement in your recovery you don't have to have that kind of extreme strain but uh the effect it has positively on muscular skeletal issues so any kind of muscle related uh thing and also for pain relief which is a which is a major part of this uh, as well it's like a side effect of these or um a compound effect of the lights uh, is to relieve uh, pain in the area where you use it. Uh, those are probably the key key points for this device that make people want to use it, and someone like Hasparud and regular people use it as well. Uh, I'd like to yeah. add, though, for your uh, community in, in in particular, is uh, digestion and indigestion is a huge issue. Uh, one of the most popular protocols we have with uh, FlexBeam is people use it on their stomach. So this is like targeted three light diodes, like straight on your stomach. Uh, can be used for uh, like to promote a healthy digestion and healthy uptake of nutrition, right? It is a particular concern when you have certain dietary restrictions and limitations that your actual uptake of nutrition is at its best. Uh, is optimal um, and here there's a lot of interesting research that shows how light receptors in your stomach uh, like you actually have the most light receptors in the stomach compared to any other body part so when you shine near infrared light in that area you are stimulating the entire digestive tract which leads to an improvement in gut brain health like the gut brain axis um, but also for a digestive sort of uptake and energy in the whole stomach lining area so that is a particular application that's more of a wellness type. It's not an injury recovery or you are necessarily hurt, uh, mm -hmm. but it's something uh, that we get a lot of feedback from our users. This is their favorite thing to use it, sure. just lying down for 10 minutes and you know you can feel it, definitely feel it the next day, if not right after. Uh, and I usually say that's the best way to test it out, that this is doing something is not just placebo, but that you you can feel the effect of that when uh, when you've had a session on it, that it's it's doing something to your body, so that's an okay. you know a fun thing to experiment with. Yeah, yeah, I I'm gonna have to invest in one for for my sister. She is uh, um, dealing with uh, she was diagnosed as a type one diabetic, um, gosh, thirty some odd years ago, and the um, the the nerve damage that accrues over decades um, as a type one. Uh, yeah, takes a toll in no all doubt. sorts of ways. But um, in in terms of the uh, uh, the GI tract and the ability to uh, yeah um, uh, maintain and absorb uh, is something that she's she's dealing with right now. So um, I will test it and get back to you. We'll see if there's some application that maybe you guys can can build into your research. Um, Bjorn, I'm I'm really just... grateful. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it's good. Uh, I was just going to say uh, that's the battery analogy again, Matt, right. is that when your system is like strong and you're fully charged, uh, when you look at what you take up of food in a digestive tract, like you can get more nutrition out of what you eat, right? Because your body is more able to do it. But if you are sick and in bad health, you are probably running a lot of things through that it's not your body is not able to take it up. So this is a compound effect. 
basically that if you shine sort of a healing light on your stomach, your uh, ability to take up the nutrients that will make you more energetic also improves would be, uh, you know, my, my pitch. We'll, we'll have, we'll have an N of one for, for us to research at least. And I'm excited because just sitting here after a long run this morning, I'm feeling my, my lower back could use a session right now. So, um, Bjorn, thank you so much for, for spending so much time with us today um, and sharing your, your wealth of knowledge. I don't remember the last time uh, a conversation spanned from uh, the Big Bang to injury recovery uh, and the recent uh, Roland Garros tennis final. But we, we somehow packed it all into one hour. So thank you so much for, for making yourself available. Thanks for having me on, Matt. It's a pleasure.